Well, good morning. So, uh, if you're here for the first time, uh, I'm the pastor of the youth. So I don't usually uh, I don't usually do this on a, on a Sunday morning, uh, and uh, it's kind of rough doing it twice, but uh, it's okay. It's awesome um, to be able to worship God like this in this way. Um, but I was just kind of thinking, what do I what do I need to say? And and you know, like I, I'm trying to do this thing where I, I'm not. I'm not forming God's word around the title that we have, you know, the, the series. I'm not going to change God's word up and, and make it something that's not just so it can fit our topic. You know, the topic is supposed to explain God's word. So, but in the middle of all that, and I'm trying to figure it out, I started to worry about things that I shouldn't worry about. And I started to worry about things like, what are they going to think about me? Uh, am I, am I going to be a good preacher in their eyes or... What's going to happen? What, what, you know, just all kinds of stuff. And I was really worried about a whole lot of nothing because the thought just came to me that what we're doing here and what our church members, our, our body of believers from here are doing in Haiti, what they are doing does not depend on whether I'm a good preacher or where Kenny's a good preacher. It all depends on God's word. Because it, it's truth. And we're here just learning about truth. That's all we're doing. And God, it, God appoints teachers so that we could talk about the truth that is in His Word. But the fact that we're here and y'all are here listening to me does not depend on whether I'm good or bad at preaching. So what we're going to do is just we're going we're to go through God's Word and learn about some truth. And that's all we're going to do. But... Um, so I'm not worried about it. Just, uh, just kind of like a, you know, just so y'all know. But, uh, but anyways, so we're we're in the series of encounter, and there's too many messages at this point for me to remember exactly where it went back to back and back to back. Well, all I know is we've learned a lot of things, and it's a, been a very long series, but it's been very helpful for me because. I've learned things like when you have an encounter with Jesus, your life looks totally different. So don't be surprised when you look different when you go to your workplace or when you go to school. Don't, don't feel surprised when, when you feel unique when, because you have the Holy Spirit. You are now focused on God. You're not focused on the things of this world. You're, you're not in love with your sin like you used to be. You're changed. Obviously, you'll still struggle with sin. But when you have an encounter with Jesus, you will be marked with humility. You will, you will chase after things that are, that are not of this world. Your treasure will be in heaven. All these kind of different things that we've been learning about, and you will be different. When you have an encounter with Jesus, you will not be the same. And it's really important to, to continue to talk about those things because there's a lot of people in this world that thinks that, that being a Christian just say, this is saying that you're a Christian. Or you're, uh, especially around here, coming to church means that you're a Christian. Or believing that Jesus died on the cross and that you actually believe God is real. We think that that is Christianity because what else is there? You know, that's believing in God. That is being a Christian, right? No, because even the demons believe, right? Even the demons, are they tremble at, at, at God because they know he's real. And they have to have permission to do the things that they're doing. We see that in Job. When, when uh, Satan had to go and ask God, could he do these certain things to Job? And so 
uh, going to church and just believing is not being a Christian. Being a Christian is following after Christ. When we turn from our sin and we turn toward Christ, that is what being a Christian is. When you have a true encounter with Jesus, you turn to him and you follow after him. And so we're going to be talking about this morning, um, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, and just a little background on, on Hebrews is, um, is that the, is, it was written, we don't know who, who wrote it exactly, but uh, that's okay. Um, in chapter 11, I mean, he, he, he's writing to these people that, that were in Rome. It was like this body of believers, there was like, there was like a million people in this city of Rome and like twenty between twenty and forty thousand of them, I think, are, are Christians. And so, this is immediately after Jesus had died and uh, rose again and went back to heaven. Okay, so these believers were in the midst of any, everybody else who was going the other way. They were around people where it, it was hard to be a Christian. There was there was a price to pay to say that you were a Christian in that time in your workplace. Just in society in general, you were an outcast. You were unique. There was something different about you, and to be a Christian was hard. You were getting, they were getting persecuted and, and all those kind of other things. So th- this writer was writing to them in Rome to encourage them. He was encouraging them to keep going, and he was, and he was writing to them to tell them that, that, that they are different, that, that they should keep running this race. And so we come to, uh, to chapter 11 where it talks about faith. And that faith is the things, it's having confidence that the, hope, the things we hope in will actually come true. And so we're going to end up in chapter 12, and I'll go back to chapter 11, getting a little ahead of myself. I'm telling you, it's hard to do this twice. It really is. I don't care, I don't care what Kenny says. No, I'm just kidding. He just, whatever. But anyways, so in uh, chapter 12, it says... Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from simple people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And so he starts off by saying that we're surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses. And these witnesses that he's talking about... Hang on just a second. I... I hate just telling words. You know what I'm saying? I hate, I hate just, just saying words that, that are just nothing. They aren't filled with any passion behind it. And I just, I really feel like, I really feel like there's, there's, there's people in here struggling, running the race, struggling to run the race. And, um, this, people in here are different than the people in the last service, I guess. Um, but it, he, so he, starts off, he starts off by talking about these witnesses and, and talking about running the race with endurance. And so these witnesses that he is talking about is from chapter 11. And in chapter 11, 
He was talking about how uh, it was by faith that Moses, or it was by faith that Joseph, it was by faith that Sarah, it was by faith that Rahab, it was by faith that he did, they did all these things. And so it put on a story, it told a story, just an example of these people's faith. And it just listed, the whole chapter was a list of people that did things by faith. Even things so big as, as Abraham having faith that God was going to bless him being the father of many nations. And, and there was, that was something that was huge. And, and the fact that, that he was, uh, God called him to sacrifice the very son that he was going to do that through, that he was going to make many nations through. And he had faith so much so that he was going to actually sacrifice his son, which is what God called him to do. And he had so much faith that he, was, he actually believed that God, if God was going to do this, he would actually raise his son back up to life because he had so much faith in the fact that God was going to keep his promise. And things so, so little, such as Rahab letting, letting the Israelites or letting, uh, letting these people into the, into the city. And it, it, they had so much faith that, that the Israelites, were, they walked around, they walked around the, the city of Jericho seven times, something that was really crazy, something that was really off the wall that you wouldn't think that would happen, and the walls fell. God called them to do all these things, and they had faith. They had confidence that these things that they hoped for would actually come true because we cannot see them. We cannot see what we have faith in. Has anybody in here ever seen God? Has anybody in here ever heard the angels singing? Has anybody ever heard people worshiping in heaven? No, we cannot see heaven. We cannot see God, but we have faith and we have confidence that in the thing that we hope for, in the things that we have our hope in, which is God, we have confidence that that is true. And why do we have confidence? Because we see the people before us. We see that these people are witnesses to what God can actually do when you have faith. When you put your faith in Him, He comes through. And not once did He fail. Not once has He ever failed to keep His promise. Even if it was something so off the wall as walking around a city and letting the walls fall down. Not once has He failed. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by those witnesses, we see that God will come through for us and not fail. And since that is true, we are to run our race with endurance. We are to have our faith in Jesus Christ. And it says that we're, we're to run our race with endurance and not give up and keep going. And how do we do that? Because we have our eyes on Jesus. We do that by looking to Jesus, the initiator and the perfecter of our faith. And what he's saying is if, if he starts something with you, when you put your faith in Him, that's when your journey started. That's when your walk with Christ started. And He says, I'm the initiator and I'm the perfecter. What He starts, He is going to finish. He is not going to give up on you and you will continue to have your faith in Him and you will continue to look to Him no matter where the road may turn on your race, no matter what obstacle comes in your way, you're going to keep going. And He's not going to give up on you and He's not going to fail you. And so how do you do that? How do you continue to go? How do you continue to walk over these obstacles? How do you continue to, to have faith when, when you don't see what's around the next turn? How do you do that? You look to Jesus. Right. It's, it's March right now, and uh, there's a lot of basketball games going on. And uh, what's funny is with, with Jesus, okay, so the very source of our suffering or, or the very source of the pain that these people are going through, the people that he's writing to in Rome, the very source of their persecution is from Jesus himself, the person that they're supposed to be looking at for their faith. They're supposed to be looking to Jesus so that they can keep running this race. But the fact is, is the reason why they're in this hard race is because of Jesus himself. But 
in basketball, it's the same way. You see, the very source of the player's suffering is basketball itself. It's the championship, right? See, they go into practice every day and they struggle. They go into the weight room when they don't want to. They do these things. They, they practice when they don't want to. They're tired. They're, they're pain. It, it, they get injured. All these kind of other things. And they have to make bonds with people that aren't the same as them. They may play basketball, but they have to be together. They have to be a team. They have to bond. And all the while, their, their eyes are on the championship. You see, they don't, they don't get to the championship without all the pain. They don't get to the championship without suffering through a couple of bad losses. You see, there, there's a couple of battles lost, but, they, but in the end, we win the war, right? You see, they, they lose a couple of games, and they're fighting. They're going strong. But in the end, is it worth it? When they, win the, when they finally win the championship, is it worth it? And that's the same thing we have to ask ourselves. Is it worth it? When we come to the end of this race, is it worth it? Is it worth all the pain? Is it worth all the struggle? Is it worth all the persecution? Yes, absolutely it is. But we have to do one thing. It says to strip every weight off of you, especially the sin that so easily entangles us. We have to take all of our weights off. All the things that are weighing us down, we have to take those things off so that we can run this race with endurance. So that these things that are weighing us down don't blind us from the prize, don't blind us from Jesus. We have to take these weights off. And it's not just sin. We shouldn't just ask ourselves, is it sin? Is this thing that we're doing sin? No, you have to ask, is it helping me run? Because if it's not helping you run, you need to take it off. Don't let it be in your life. Get rid of it. Because persecution to these Christians was weighing them down. Persecution is not a sin on their part. But persecution is weighing them down and hindering them from running this race because they're letting it get to them. They're discouraged. They're weighed down. Their knees are weak. Their hands are tired. They can't go anymore. And he's saying, rip off all the weight. Strip off all the weight. Get rid of all the sin and look to Jesus. You turn from all that and you look to Jesus, the initiator and perfecter of our faith. And when it gets hard, you know what you do? When you rip off all the waste and, and you're considering the struggle and you're looking toward Jesus and it gets hard, you remember, when you look to Jesus, you remember the, the, all the hardships that he had to endure by simple hands. He had to endure beatings. The things that he had to endure, way, like, they outdo ours. They outdo all the hardships that we have to go through. But does that mean that, that our, our, our struggles are, are not important? Does that mean that, that just because his was harder than ours, we just should dis disregard it? No, it's not saying that ours is not important. It's not saying that, that our struggles, are, that he doesn't care about them because it, it, does, it doesn't even compare to what he went through for us. No, he's saying that you look to me and I will be with you. And since I am with you and, and since you're looking at all the hardships I endured, this, what you're going through, is nothing for me. This is nothing. I will get you through this. You are my child. I will give you strength to run this race. I will be your endurance. And he's saying to look to him and that when we are going through hard times, look at all the hostility he endured and we will be strengthened and we will not give up. When you feel like giving up, look to him. And then he goes on to say, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? 
He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit more, even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God discipline, God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So a lot of times when, when we read this passage, or I guess in a lot of passages uh, that we read, there's just things sometimes that we, that we leave out because they're hard to hear. And, uh, and God's discipline is something that we don't really talk about all that often. Uh, and to be honest with you, I didn't really want to talk about it um, because it's, it's hard. I don't really understand it fully. Um, but all I know is that from this passage, he says, don't forget the encouraging words that were spoke to you. All I know is I was encouraged by this because if God shows us discipline, he's showing us love. When God is showing you discipline, when God is disciplining you, he's training you and showing his love and he's putting you back on the right path. He is showing that you are his child and that he loves you. It's, just, it's kind of like a, a, a child and, uh, uh, when, when, they, uh, when, they, when they leave you at the grocery store or something and, uh, and they, they run across the parking lot and, and you get mad at them, right? You're mad at them because... Like, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, you don't understand there's, there's cars right here and you're, you're a little bitty tiny thing and you get ran over and this is dangerous. You don't go out into the park. You don't run in the middle of the road, you know, without looking both ways or without holding my hand, whatever. We get mad at them over something so simple because we understand the dangers. We understand that, that it, it could be a freak accident. It doesn't, I mean, it could just be something that, that we can't control. We can't control all the dangers, but we're, we're saying, look, just to prevent that, why don't you hold my hand? Why don't you come back to me? Let me walk you across. And the, in the same way with God, he's saying, son, don't walk down that road of pride. Don't go down the road full of lust and, and the pleasures of this world. Daughter, don't be filled with bitterness. Don't go down that road. Don't travel the wrong road. I see that you're on the wrong road. Come back. Come back to the right one. Come back to the narrow path. Come back to me. He's saying, come back. And, and, and he'll, he'll discipline you. He'll, he'll shift your path. He'll, as, as his child, you are his now. I know you have the choice, but you're his now. And he's trying to show you, and he's disciplining you. He's trying to pull you back to himself. And it's painful. We don't want to. We resist. But then when we get back on that right road, it's full of peace and right living. And I know that there's, there's probably a question like, what's the difference between, between God's discipline and, and just suffering or just pain from this life? Is, is everything God's discipline? No, it, it says that, that He only disciplines those who are His children. 
He says that, that if you don't experience God's discipline, you're, you're not his child. And that's how you know. And the only thing, I, I, don't, I don't know how to tell whether it's discipline or suffering for just speaking it out. But all I know is this. This is all I can tell you is that when I was, when I was lost and before I got saved, I was experiencing things like, I, I know God's in control of everything, right? God, God, God controls every moment. So I know this was him. I know that it was God leading me to him. It was him trying to open my eyes and open my heart and open my ears to what he has to say. But I was going through hard times. But was it discipline? I don't think so because I wasn't his child. I had not yet been adopted by him. I, didn't, I had not yet given him my life. So I was not his child yet. And so all I know is that that was just hard times, and God used those hard times to help me see him. And, and I know that whenever I got saved, in 11th grade, it was like a year after I got saved, all I know is that it was the hardest year of my life, and I knew that it felt different. There was just something different about it. I could feel God's love. I could feel him calling me back to the right path. I could feel him him, him trying to tell me something, and I was resisting. Yet I wanted, I, I wanted the good things about God, but I didn't, I didn't want his discipline. So I was kind of resisting that. I didn't, and I didn't understand that his discipline was good. I didn't understand that his discipline was love for me. And I was a child of the faith. I didn't know that, that once you get saved, you have to grow. I didn't understand that yet. All I knew is I put my faith in Christ, and I was different. I was changed. I no longer desired this, my sin. But of course, I struggled with it. Of course, I still do. But I no longer desired that. I didn't want that anymore. I wanted God. I wanted to love Him more. I wanted to pursue Him. And, and, and that's all I knew is that He was trying, to, he was trying to, to grow me. He was trying to sanctify me. He was trying to help me grow in the faith. He was taking me off of spiritual milk and putting me on spiritual meat. He was trying to change my diet. He was trying to change my ways. He was trying to, to chip some stuff out of my life one thing at a time because he knew I couldn't handle it all at once. And that's kind of an example of what I feel like discipline looks like. I feel like, I feel like we know, the scriptures indicate that we know in our own lives whether it's discipline or whether it's just suffering. Because it says that, that, that you will know whether you're a child of God based on discipline, right? So, so we will know that we're a child of God based on discipline. And obviously, it talks about more things in the Bible, whether you know you're saved. Holy Spirit, obviously, if you have the Holy Spirit, you are a child of God. But this is just one thing that he says, if you are not disciplined by God, that you're not a child of God. So obviously, we're supposed to know whether we're getting disciplined or not, or whether it's just suffering. But God uses even things like persecution. Persecution for these people were what was weighing them down. And God was trying to tell them, I'm allowing it to happen so that you can grow. I'm allowing it to happen so that, that you can grow from this experience and so that you can be trained up, so that, so that maybe you can go into something with even more persecution. It's nothing now. I'm stronger. He's building your muscles. So we have to trust him. That's the whole point in this. We have to trust him. We have to embrace his discipline. We have to embrace that love and not resist it. 
We, we shouldn't resist the hard times because we know that God's going to use those. We should actually be full of joy, as James chapter 1 says, because we know that it's going to create perseverance in us and that we're going to be more fruitful for the gospel. We know that hard times, it just brings up the bad in us and takes it out. God's discipline takes our bad stuff out and puts good in. He's disciplining us. He's, he's, he's whooping the bad out of us. You know what I'm saying? So, so that's what discipline is. We should embrace that. We should embrace God's love. And don't, don't be discouraged, as it says. Don't be discouraged when you feel that discipline because you should know that that is God loving you. So open up your heart to that. Open up and say, God, what do you need me to change? There's something here that's not right. Don't resist it. Embrace it. And so then he goes on to say, says, for our, our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. Our earthly fathers only disciplined us for a little while. And even if they do the best they can, they're still, still not perfect. We make mistakes as fathers. We make mistakes disciplining our kids. We make mistakes as kids trying to, you know, we're not always playing by script when it comes to discipline. You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't play by script. But it says that God's discipline is always good. And why is that? Because he knows our future. Right? He is limitless in his knowledge and in his love. There is no limit. There is no cap on his knowledge or his love for us. And since he knows our future, since he knows the turns we're going to make in our race, since he knows the obstacles we're going to face, he's going to train us in such a way that we are able to overcome those obstacles. And that when we take that turn and something's unexpected to us, it does not hit him by surprise. So that when we look to him, we are strengthened and we can overcome those obstacles and we can overcome those surprises because God knew that it was going to happen and God strengthened us to run the race with endurance. That discipline is good and it will help us run the race. Without the discipline, there is no race. Without the discipline, we give up. Without the discipline, we will not finish. And so we have to embrace it. We have to. And it's good that we do. It says that it's painful, but afterwards it will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. It's painful, but you'll have peace when you get back on this road. And then in verse 12 it says, So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that no, those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. It says to, to take a new grip, to strengthen your weak knees and mark out a straight path so that those who are lame and can't walk or those who are weak are weak, don't give up, and they don't fall. What I think he's doing is he's referring back to what he was talking about, running the race. He says that we should, we should look to Jesus, and we should take a new grip. Are, are your hands just tired? Sometimes don't you just get tired of running this race? Sometimes don't your legs just feel like giving out? 
like you just can't go anymore. I feel like that sometimes. We all do. There's not one person who is in this race who's not felt like giving up. There's not one person in this race who is who has gone without not getting tired. But we have to look to Jesus. We take a new grip. Take a new grip, church. Why don't you look to Jesus and, and look to our examples who are in Haiti right now? Take a new grip. Be strong. Strengthen your weak knees. Say, I'm going to keep going. No matter what obstacles come my way, I'm going to keep running because the strength that I have to run does not come from myself. It comes from looking to Jesus who endured hostility. And because he did that and overcame and he rose again on the third day, he has a victory over all of that stuff that is weighing us down. He has victory over all of our weakness. He has victory over death. And anything we come across in our race cannot defeat us. So that should strengthen your weak knees and strengthen your hands that are tired of holding on. Because Jesus is our strength. And we are to make a new path. We're to take off the weights. Take them off. When God shows you through discipline what you need to take off, what sins you need to get rid of, what things are holding you back, whether it's worry or letting persecution come and discourage you, he's saying take it off. It's not supposed to be there. Make a new path. Clear it out. Clear out the path so that you won't fall. And when we do that, when we are strong, when in our weakness, when God makes us strong, we're able to be strong for other believers who are weak and discouraged. We're able to lift them up. We're saying, come on, run with me. Let's go. Pick it up. Let's go. Keep going. Don't give up. See, when we were in practice, when I was, when I was in basketball practice, our coach came from a, a college basketball environment. And so before then, everything was easy breezy. We was just in there hooping. You know what I'm saying? We was just in there making shots, doing our thing. And then all of a sudden he comes and it, it got hard. It got hard quick. Three a days doing stuff. My knees hurt all the time. I felt like I was 75 years old. I mean, like my back still hurts from it. I mean, it's all kinds. Of, he, was, he was teaching us. He was, he was going through all this with us. And he was saying, come on, let's go. Let's go. I know what we're, go, we're, we're working towards. And I know that we're going to enjoy it. I know that it's going to be worth it when we get there. Let's go. He's not saying, and I'm not saying, that, or that your knees being weak is a bad thing. I'm saying, let's go. Let's pick it up. Let's go. Let's run this race. Let's run it with endurance. Yeah, your knees are hurting, but it's good. That's a good thing. Because when we get to the finish line, it's going to be worth it. When we get there, we're going to have no regrets. But if you give up now, you will regret it. I promise you. Your weak knees are nothing. The sufferings of this earth is nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to us when we get to heaven. It's going to be worth it because when we run this race, we're going to take on people to run it with us, right? We're going to, we're going to run to Haiti, and then there's going to be more people start this race. And then we're going to run to somewhere else, and more people start this race. So that when they finish their race, they're going to be glad that someone else endured and kept going because they got to run the race too. Because they got to run this race and they're going to end up in glory with Jesus Christ. We're going to be heirs with Jesus Christ. We get to be there as children of God when we don't deserve it. We don't deserve God's love. It's crazy that he loved us in the first place. But he died for us. 
He forgave us of our sin. And that compels us to run. Run as fast and as long as we possibly can. When we get weak, our burdens are borne. Jesus Christ will give us strength. Our friends, our teammates will help us to keep running. We'll put our arm around their shoulder and they'll help us run. When they get weak, they'll put their arm around our shoulders. And we will go. We will go as a family. We will go as a body of believers. And at the very end of that, the ESV says it, says it better. And they said, it says that, it says, make a new path so that what is lame won't be falling out of joint. So if my arm is weak, if you are the arm in the body of Christ and you are weak, we're going to make a new path as believers. We're supposed to lift them up. We're supposed to clear the path so that they won't fall, so that their arm won't fall out of joint. That part of the body will still hang on. Whatever part of the body you're, you're in, whatever part of the body that, that you are, we're supposed to, to make a new path. We're supposed to, to re-grip our hands. We're supposed to strengthen our weak knees so that that part won't fall off, so that we will continue to go as a body, so that more people will continue to run with us. So how about you? Do you need to take a new grip? Do you need to to take a new grip and just strengthen your hands because you know that it's going to be worth it when you do. You're not going to let all these things weigh you down and keep you from running this race because this race is worth it. Take a new grip because Jesus has already, has already claimed victory over everything that you're going to come against. And do you need to strengthen your knees? Are your knees weak? Are you tired of walking? Come to Jesus. Look to him. He showed great love for us on the cross, more than we could ever see, ever. He showed more love on the cross than we've ever seen that there ever will be. Look to Jesus, and he will provide you the people to encourage you, the people to help you along the way. I promise you he will. We have to have faith. We have to have confidence that that will happen because we hope in Jesus and he has not once failed anybody else. We have to have faith in that and understand that he will not fail us either. So in your life, do you have some weights that you just need to get off? you have some stuff that's hindering you from running? Is it helping you run? Because if it's not, I'm going to take it off. So you may be you may also be at that point in your run, that point in your race where you're locked in. You're, you're carrying other people's burdens right now. And you may just need to praise God and say, God, thank you for the strength you give me. Lord, help me to bear other people's burdens. Because when you get weak, there's going to be people lifted up. People are going to rise up and help you out in your burden. So ask God who you can help. Come down here and pray for someone that, that, that you know is struggling Pray for someone you know that's weighed down by burdens. If you're weighed down by burdens, come here and take them off. Let them go. They're weighing you down. They're hindering you from running. We got to go. We got a championship to win. We got, we got a prize to claim when we get to the end of this race. We get a prize that we did not win, but Jesus won for us. We get Jesus himself. We get forgiveness. We get peace. We get to live eternity with him based on what he did for us, and we just got to have faith. So let's pray. Father, I want to I thank you. I just want to come to you with a heart full of gratefulness, Lord, 
that you are giving us strength to run this race called life. And Lord, I want to ask you to just strengthen me and strengthen those who have weak knees and tired hands and give us strength to, to make a new path, Lord, so that others may believe, so that others would not fall and so that others would, would start this race with us. And then at the end of it, God, we would have no regrets. Help us to keep running, Lord. And help us to embrace your discipline. Help us to embrace the things that you're trying to, to, to purge us of, Lord. You're trying to get out so that you can put good in. And Lord, help us to always keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Because he's the finisher of our faith. He started it. And now he's going to finish it. When we get to the end of it, God, it's going to be so sweet. It's going to be so peaceful. And God, it's going to be worth it. And God, I pray that our lives would just be fruitful. It would be a fruitful harvest, God. But full of, full of people being influenced for the gospel. Full of believers that, that we brought along the way. God, we understand there's going to be people that don't believe. But God, we want to be instruments for your glory. We just want to be a tool in your hand. So when we get up there, God, that's just a way for us to thank you. Just a small thank you for what you did in our lives. We want other people to know what you did for them too. So God, give us strength to run this race. And we want to thank you that we're even running it in the first place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.